The Ten Martyrs is one of the most horrific and one of the most notable stories in our long history of persecution, of martyrdom that we had. It's a story about the killing of ten of our greatest sages by the Romans. And this story was recorded in a midrash. Midrash are, is a, really a generic term for the many different books um, about, really books about Jewish history, non or um, inspirational books about explanations of the Torah um, that were written in the Mishnaic or post-Mishnaic period. This is going back between 1800 to 1500 years ago. So we have one midrash that is dedicated just to this story. It's called Ela Eskara. And parts of this story are also mentioned in the Talmud and in other midrashim as well. Um, and we have many poems that were written about this story um, of the Ten Martyrs. The most notable poems, though, are is the poem that we read in our keynote that we're reading this morning um, called Arze Halavanon that describes the story of the Ten Martyrs. And then perhaps most notable is the poem that we read in our, in our Yom Kippur prayers, also called, like the name of the Midrash, Ela Eskara. This is read during the Musaf prayer on Yom Kippur. And um, perhaps it's become, we could say it's become one of the highlights of the Yom Kippur service. Um, the best cantorial pieces have been written on this poem. And uh, there's some very famous cantorial pieces, particularly on the, um, there's one part of the poem, Tiher Rabbi Yishmael et Atzmo, uh, about how Rabbi Yishmael rises to heaven. I'll tell the story in just a moment, where um, a number of very powerful cantorial pieces have been written, and the cantors like to spend some time singing this poem as they sing on Yom Kippur. So... Now, we'll see that there's some questions to the exact historical time that this event took place, but it's widely assumed that this event took place during a period known as Shmat. The Shmat, Shmat literally means destruction, but it was a term used by in the Midrashim and the Talmudic sages for the period after the Bar Kokhba rebellion. So earlier I mentioned about the Bar Kokhba, Bar Koziba, Shimon Bar Koziba led a rebellion um, against the Romans that was brutally crushed um, in the destruction of when Beitar, their last stand, fell. They killed every single Jew that was in Beitar. But after the rebellion, the Romans decided that they were going to crush not just Israel, but the Jewish people. There were many Jews across the Roman Empire. They were going to destroy the Jewish people. And they then firstly went around killing many Jews, destroying Jewish communities. Most of southern Israel, known then as Judea, was totally destroyed. Um, they just destroyed town after town, city after city. Um, northern Israel, the Galilee, was mostly kept intact. But even then, they banned keeping, Torah, studying Torah and keeping the commandments on the pain of death. Anyone caught studying or teaching Torah would be killed. Anyone caught wearing the tefillin, in those days they used to still wear tefillin, the men used to wear tefillin all day. Anyone caught wearing the tefillin would be killed. Anyone caught circumcising their son would be killed. And it really any of the filling, fulfilling any of the Torah's commandments, if someone was caught doing so, they would, act, acting Jewish, they would be killed for it. And thousands upon thousands were killed 
for following God's commandments because many Jews continued to follow the commandments <laughs> in secret, some in public, unafraid, um, and many, many were killed. So we assume that it was during this, and there's many stories in the Talmud, in the Midrashim, about various events during the Shemad period. Um, people that put on tefillin even though they weren't supposed to, people that circumcised their son. In fact, the author of the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the Talmud tells us, was born during this period and circumcised by his father um, during this period, and, and a whole story how he got away with it. Um, so there were, and there were <coughs> many similar stories. So th- we assume that the um, ten martyrs, the Asarah Machut, as it's called in Hebrew, happened during this time during the time of the Shemad. Um, it took place about, we, we believe there's some debate as to exactly when the uh, Bar Kokhba's rebellion was and when it ended, but it's about the 130s to give you a historical um, to give you a historical sense. The emperor at the time, the early 130s, the emperor at the time was the emperor Hadrian. So the Midrash begins, the Midrash that tells us the story, begins about telling us how when God created the world, God created tall trees that were so proud of themselves, saying, who will ever take us down? And then God created iron. Iron. Something that can then take them down. You could create an axe, build and make an axe, that could then chop down those trees. In the same way, says the Midrash, the temple was destroyed, but the Jews were comforted because we still had our Torah scholars who are compared to tall trees. And we knew that we would never, we would always survive as a people as long as we had our great scholars. But then God took them away from us as well in this story, in this event, this terrible tragedy of these ten martyrs. So the story goes like this. The Roman emperor, and it's not clear, there's various um, sources. Some seem to say it was the emperor himself. Others say it was the governor of Israel at the time in the post-war, post-Bar Kokhba war time, whose name was Turnus Rufus. He's mentioned many times in the Talmud as being a very wicked individual uh, and a great Jew hater. And so um, whether it was the emperor himself or it was the governor, they hired someone to start teaching them Torah. So they were studying the Torah, and they learned about the sale of Joseph, how Joseph's brothers had sold him as a slave. And then they continued reading, and they came to the portion in Mishpatim, in the book of Exodus, that says that the punishment for kidnapping is death. You kidnap someone, the punishment the Torah says is there's a death penalty. So the emperor, or maybe the governor, called ten sages, And he asked them, what is the Torah's punishment for kidnapping? And they said, the answer is death. He said, Joseph's ten brothers kidnapped him and sold him as a slave. And they were never punished for the kidnapping. I will make ten of you pay for their crime. So the sages asked the emperor, for three days. It'd give us three days for us to come up with a response. And they turned to Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha, who was the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And he prepared, he's a very 
saintly great sage and a great very saintly man and he prepared himself by going to a mikveh he put on his talus and his tefillin and he focused on the names of God whereupon his soul arose to heaven and there in heaven and it's this point in the story that the poem written on Yom Kippur where the cantors sing in great detail there in heaven he meets the angel Gabriel, the angel Gabriel and he asks him are we going to be killed and he says yes it is a decree from God that great sages many of the great sages will be killed however the Romans will later be punished for what they did and the Midrash describes various things Rabbi Ishmael sees in heaven he sees an altar he says who's that altar for do you bring sacrifices in heaven he says no that altar is for the sages that are going to be killed and sacrificed on this altar so Rabbi Ishmael comes back to earth his soul comes back to earth he wakes up and he tells his colleagues what he had heard and they accept that God had decreed that the great sages are to die. The great sages are going to die. So the Midrash tells us, and this is going to get a little graphic, the Midrash tells us that they first brought the president of the Sanhedrin of the Supreme Council of Judaism, what today you would call the chief rabbi. Then we had a Sanhedrin, a Supreme Council. The president of the council was Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel from the house of Hillel from the family of Hillel he was a descendant of the house of David they brought him along with Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha the Kohen Gadol the high priest and they were going to kill the two of them and they said who should be killed first and so each one said I want my I want to be killed first I don't want to see my colleague die so the emperor decided to draw a lottery, put their names in a box, and he pulled up who came up first, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. So they killed Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel by decapitating him. And Rabbi Ishmael picks up his head and begins to cry, says, my teacher, teacher of Israel, how can this happen to you? And the emperor looks at him and says, why are you crying for your friend? Cry for yourself. You're about to die too. He said, for me, if that's God's decree, so be it. But my friend, he's the leader of Israel. You've killed the leader of Israel. They then came to kill Rabbi Yishmael. Rabbi Yishmael was very, very handsome. Very, very good looking. And so... Um, the emperor's daughter sat there. She said, please save this man. He's so good looking. The emperor said, I cannot save him. I've already committed to killing him. So she said, at least give me his skin. So they began to skin him alive. And they skinned his head and they came to the top of his head where the tefillin were sitting. His, he was wearing tefillin at the time, where his tefillin were sitting, and he gave out this great cry. 
The Midrash says when he gave out this great cry, the entire heaven and earth shook. And then he gave out another cry. And the Midrash says the heavenly throne of God shook. The angels in heaven turned to God, saying, Zu Torah v'zuschara. This is the Torah. This is its reward. And God said, this is a decree. This is a final decree that cannot be changed. But the power of this event, the power of this event will be so strong that it will stand and save Israel through their troubles for all generations. Then Rabbi Yishmael hears a voice from heaven proclaiming, Shtok, be silent. If you make another sound, I will destroy the entire world. And so Rabbi Yishmael is silent. So the emperor turns to him and says, Why are you screaming? And Rabbi Yishmael, who's being killed, says, I'm not screaming in pain. I'm screaming because you took away my tefillin. And at that moment, and the emperor said, you still believe in God? And Rabbi Yishmael said, even as I die, my faith in God never changes. And at that moment, he died. So the next one to be killed was the great sage, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is perhaps the greatest sage of all times. The greatest sage that we're told that all of the oral Torah that we have is all based on the teachings of Rabbi Akiva. Kulu Adliba de Rabbi Akiva. We once did a class on Rabbi Akiva. The Talmud tells us that when the Romans banned teaching Torah, said you're not allowed to teach Torah, you're called teaching Torah, you will be killed. Rabbi Akiva continued to do so. He continued to teach Torah. He had a friend whose name was Papus ben Yehuda. And Papus ben Yehuda came to him and said, how can you risk your life to teach Torah? You're not allowed to risk your life. You're not allowed to put your life in danger. So he said, let me tell you a parable. There was once a fox. He came to the river and he sees the fish swimming. He says, where are you going? They said, we're running away from the fishermen. So the fox says, come with me. I will hide you. Come with me into the forest and I will hide you there under the trees. The fishermen will never catch you. The fish say, foolish fox, if we go out of the water, we will for sure die. In the water, maybe we will get caught, maybe we won't. But out of the water, we'll for sure die. Said Rabbi Akiva, the Torah is our water. Without water, we Jews cannot survive. Without Torah, we cannot survive. If we study Torah, maybe they'll catch us, maybe they won't. Indeed, Rabbi Akiva was caught and imprisoned. There in prison, he met Papus ben Yehuda, who had also been caught, but not for teaching Torah, for other crimes that he had committed, real crimes. And Rabbi Akiva said, look at the difference. We both ended up in prison. You, because you did bad things, me, because I studied taught Torah. Look at the difference between us. While in prison, his students continued asking him questions. The Talmud tells us that Rabbi Shimon, his student, would come and stand outside his, the window of his prison cell and he would sell his wares. He would come with like a peddler selling his wares and says, who wants to buy this spice? 
Who wants to buy this spice and announce the prices? The spices and the prices that he, the things that he had. And in between his announcements, he would say, what's the law in this case? And he would hear Rabbi Akiva responding from his cell. And that way they continued, he continued teaching Torah even while he was in his prison cell. We're told while he was in prison, he was only given a little bit of water, but he used half of the water every day to wash his hands. One day the jailer realized that he was using the water not to drink but to wash his hands. So the jailer cut the water in half and he used all the water that he had to wash his hands. And his student who was there with him said, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to die of thirst if you don't drink. And he said, if I die, I'm going to die regardless. But if I don't wash my hands, I become impure. I don't want to be impure. And so then it was time for Rabbi Akiva to be killed. He was brought out in front of his students. And we're told that they killed him by combing his flesh with iron combs. And as they were doing so, the Talmud says he was reciting the Shema. And his students looked at him. He was happy. They said, Rebbe, why are you happy? And he said, my whole life, I was read the verse, Va'aftat Hashem Elokecha, you shall love God with all your soul. And I always thought, how can I ever love God with my soul, with my life? I was waiting for an opportunity to fulfill this commandment. And finally I'm getting an, such an the opportunity. How can I not be happy? And so the next sage that was taken to be killed was Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion. Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion, we're told, was loved by God and by people. In his entire life, he never said a bad thing about another person. When the Romans banned the teaching of Torah, Rabbi Hanina continued to teach Torah publicly. The Romans caught him while he was teaching Torah. He had a Torah scroll in front of him. So they rolled up the, they rolled the Torah scroll around him. They covered him in the Torah scroll and they burned them together alive. His executioner sorry. His exec His executioner was Jewish but had joined the Romans. A Jew who had left Judaism, become a Roman, and now became a Roman executioner, who part of his job was to kill the Jewish sages. And on the instructions of the emperor, he placed wet wool around his chest in order that he burn more slowly and suffer more pain. And as he was burning, his students were forced to stand there and watch him. And his students say, Rebbe, what do you see? And he said, I see the Torah burning. But the letters 
are flying to heaven, are flying away. The rabbi, the student said, Rebbe, teacher, open your mouth. Let the fire go into you. You'll die a little faster. You'll be in less pain. He said, I won't do anything to hasten my death. At that moment, the Talmud tells us, the, ex the executioner sees his suffering and has a moment of regret and says, Rabbi, Rebbe, can I remove the wet wool from you so you die, die sooner? And Rabbi Hanina said, yes. And so he removed, the executioner removed the, the wool. And having done that, he suddenly felt a feeling of guilt for all he had done his entire life. And he jumped into the fire, dying alongside Rabbi Hanina ben Tradia. And at that moment, they said in heaven, the executioner, along with Rabbi Hanina, are both welcome to come straight into heaven. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who lived a generation later, said when telling this story, Yesh kone olamo echat. A person can get their place in heaven in just one moment. An individual who had been the worst individual their entire life, but had true regret at the end of their life, and did true teshuva, repentance, that last moment of their life, and got to go straight to heaven. The fourth sage to be killed was Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava. The Romans had banned giving samicha, or ordination. The ordination passed from generation to generation back from Moses. The Romans wanted there should be no more rabbis. They were killing all the rabbis. They didn't want any new ones. So they banned the existing rabbis from giving ordination to any new rabbis. But there was one great sage, Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava, who was very concerned about that. He was very concerned that there would be no, no one with smicha, nobody who could serve as a rabbi in the future generations. The Romans had said anybody who's caught giving smicha would be killed. The people they gave it to will be killed. And the city they give it in will be destroyed. So he, what did Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava do? He took five scholars, five students, and he took them between the mountains, far away from any city, so that no city would be destroyed if he gets caught. And he gave smicha to these five students. And somehow someone tipped the Romans off, and they came. And uh, the Romans came, and Rabbi Yehuda turned to his students and he said, run! They said, Rabbi, run with us. He said, I'm an old man, I can't run. But you're young, run! And so they keep, it, keep the light of Judaism going. You'll survive this. And so they ran. And Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava was left there alone. The Romans came and they were going to execute him. And he was, the Midrash tells us he was going to be killed it was a Friday afternoon. And he asked the emperor, please let me wait until the Shabbos begins so I could recite the Kiddush, the Friday night Kiddush. So the emperor agreed to grant him his last wish to wait till Friday afternoon. And he began to recite the Kiddush 
and he started reciting the Yom Hashishi, the, um, we recite the story of the, how God, um, God had completed the creation, and he finished with the words, Asher bara Elohim la'asot, that God had created, and at that moment, the emperor had enough and said, kill him, and at that moment, he was killed. There were many other sages, six other sages who were killed. The Midrash tells us more in brief. Rabbi Yehuda ben Damba was killed, was brought to be killed. He was killed. Each one, the Midrash tells us how the emperor asked each one to reject God, reject Judaism. And each one refused. Each one says, God, I still believe in God. And the emperor says, even after I'm doing this to you, he said, yes, God is just. God knows what he's doing. And you will end up paying for your actions. You will end up being punished. So Rabbi Yehuda ben Dama was killed by being dragged behind a horse through the streets. Later, they, they brought Rabbi Chutzpit HaMeturgaman. Rabbi Chutzpit was the one who was the spokesperson for Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel has been the leader of Jews in the previous generation, the pre- president of the Sanhedrin, the father of Rabbi Shimon of Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, and Chutzpit had been his spokesperson. He had been the spokesperson for the Sanhedrin, and he was at the time very, very, very old. And when they brought him, they asked him for well, what is your last final request. He said, "I want you to give me one more day." He said, "Why one more day?" He said, "I want to recite the Shema tonight." And I want to recite the Shema tomorrow morning. Every night, every morning, we recite the Shema. Do two more mitzvahs. The emperor didn't listen. The emperor had him killed, had him stoned to death. And then after he was stoned, they hung his body. They then brought the great sage, Rabbi Chanina ben Chachinai. It was a Friday. And Rabbi Chanina would fast regularly, asking God, for forgiveness for the people, for Israel's sins, to spare Israel. And on this day he was fasting. They offered him to eat before his execution. He refused to do so. It was a Friday afternoon, and he asked them to spare him, allow him to make Kiddush. That was a Friday evening before he dies. He began to recite the Kiddush. He reached the words, Vayikadesh Oto, that he made it holy. God made the day of Shabbat holy. And at that moment, they killed him. The next scholar they killed was Rabbi Yeshevav HaSofer, Rabbi Yeshevav the scribe. He was also burned alive. He was 90 years old at the time. His students asked him as he was being killed, how will Judaism survive? Our teachers are dying. And he responded, our death will allow you to live. In merit of our death, God will keep Judaism alive, you will live, you will continue the Jewish tradition, and you will preserve Judaism. And then the final sage that they killed was Rabbi Elazar ben Shamua. So those were the, that's the story of the ten sages who were killed. There's much detail in the Midrash, it's quite a book. Um, I'm sorry, am I being too graphic? So the, it's, there's much detail in the Midrash um, that uh, I didn't get into all the details. Um, there's also some variation between the various stories, even between the names. Some include Rabbi Shimon ben Azai. Some include other great sages. Um, and there's variations as to exactly 
which were the ones that were killed. Now, many later historians and scholars have pointed out in later years that some of the sages that were killed were killed for breaking the rule, Roman rules against teaching Torah, against giving semicha, ordination. They were killed for particular things that they did, which would imply, and some of them were killed on different dates. Some were on Friday, one was on Shavuot, they were on different dates, which would imply that the ten were not actually killed together, but at various times during this period of Shemat. So it would seem that while the first two, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel and Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol were killed with the emperor with a story uh, where he was punishing them for the sins of Joseph's brothers, having sold him as a slave, but the others were killed for various other reasons, but were put together in this midrash, in this tradition of the ten martyrs that were killed. Now, there is another small, we could call, historic wrinkle to this story. Um, and that is, historians have pointed out that while most of the sages, we know we have a lot of detail of Jewish history from that period, found in the different Midrashim and the uh, Talmud, the Mishnah, um, we know that most of those sages were lived during this period known as Shemat, about the 130s, when... Um, the Romans, after the fall of Bar Kokhba, when the Romans were trying to stamp out Judaism. However, two of them did not live during that period. The first two, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel and Rabbi Yishmael Kohen Gadol, did not live during that period. In fact, they both lived during the Second Temple, which had been destroyed 60 years earlier. Rabbi Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel was the president of the Sanhedrin at the very end of the Second Temple. In fact, we know from other sources that he was actually killed by the Romans before the destruction of the Second Temple. He was not in Jerusalem during the siege, and, um, so he was caught by the Romans. Um, they captured him, and they killed him. He was the president of the Sanhedrin, a very prominent Jew, while there was this war going on, this rebellion against the Romans and they caught him and they killed him, we know before, a couple months before the destruction of the Second Temple. Rabbi Yishmael Kohen Gadol, Rabbi Yishmael was the high priest. He was the high priest where? In the Temple. It's hard to imagine that the high priest of the Temple was still alive 60 years later, where during the period of Shemad. So some historians suggest that, you know, maybe it's a different Rabban Shimon. Maybe it's not Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. Maybe it's a mistake. It's a different Rabbi Shimon that lived during the period of the Shemad. Maybe it's a different Rabbi Yishmael. In fact, Rabbi Akiva had a very close colleague called Rabbi Yishmael, who was actually a grandson of the Rabbi Yishmael who was the high priest. So maybe it's the other Rabbi Yishmael. He wasn't a Kohen Gadol. He was not a high priest. But maybe we just call him that because he was a Kohen, he was a priest. He was from the, he was a Kohen. So we don't know which one it was. Some suggest that maybe the first two were actually killed earlier during the period of the destruction of the second temple. The other eight were killed 60 years later. 
but they were all put together in the Midrash. We don't know. But regardless, it's a powerful story that tells us the story of how these great sages were killed. They were grouped together in order that we should remember. It is one of the most horrific events in our history. And we've had a lot of horrors throughout our history that we recall on Tisha B'Av. Many of the stories that we tell as we, the stories that we tell, we're going to tell in the, um, in the keynote, in the poems that we're going to recite shortly. Um, and this is one of the most horrific stories that we remember by recording in the Midrashim, by reading these poems to remember this story. So we ask, how could God have done such a thing? How could such a thing have happened? And really that question is a question that could be asked about every tragedy that we're mourning today. From the destruction of the temples, the fall of Betar, the many tragedies that we're going to just talk about today, the crusaders, the various pogroms over the years, the um, expulsion of Jews from Spain and from other countries, the various tra- World War II, the Holocaust, the various tragedies that happened to our people. Our people have suffered a lot. We have a lot of questions we can ask. How can God have done such a thing? We don't know the answer. We don't know the answer for the suffering of Israel over the ages that we're remembering today. What we do know is that despite what happens to us, we continue to serve God. We're still here. We continue to be Jewish in spite of what happened. Elie Wiesel, a famous Holocaust survivor and writer, wrote once a play. And in this play, it was a play that described the story that actually happened, um, that he experienced um, in Auschwitz, where one night a number of Jews decided that they were going to put God on trial. And they put, I think the movie was made of it too, they put God on trial, and they had someone playing prosecutor, someone playing defense, judges, they put God on trial, and they tried God for creating Auschwitz. And at the end of the trial, the, the judges proclaimed God guilty. Guilty for making Auschwitz. He was wrong in doing so. And then the play ends that they then get up, somebody announces, it's time for the evening prayers. They all get up and they do the evening prayers. And the beauty of that story, it's a true story, based on a true story. I think it was made, I think it's a movie now. Um, based on a true story. But the, the, the the story, we Jews have suffered a lot over the years. Our very survival, of course, is a miracle that we're still here. But we have suffered a lot. And we mourn for all those events on Tisha B'Av. We mourn for all the terrible things that have happened. And yet, we still are Jewish. We're in Jewish in spite of what happened. In spite of what God has done to us. In spite of the suffering. We remain Jewish. We remain Jewish, in a sense, because of the suffering. How can you believe in man? How can you not believe in God after such great tragedies? How can you not turn to God after such tragedies? Who else would you trust? What other reason is there to live after these kinds of tragedies, if not for God? And so, while we don't understand why God allows these things to happen, 
we remember them, remember our tragedies, it's important to remember we have this annual date to remember them. Um, yet we know that despite what God has done to our people, we continue to serve God and continue to follow his commandments um, and recognize that we have no trust in man, no hope in man, no hope in humanity with all the horrible things that they have done. It is only God that we trust in and only God for whom we live. But really the story of these ten martyrs, the story of the Asarah Harugei Machut, it's a tragedy, but it's really a story of victory. Because you look at Rome today. What's left of Rome? There was a Jewish, um, British um, historian who made a um, series, um, a BBC series, I think it's on Netflix, you can get it on Netflix too now, uh, a series on the Jewish people, the history of the Jewish people. And he started it by standing in front of Titus's arch in Rome. It's an arch that Titus, who had destroyed the emperor, that destroyed the temple, had built to celebrate his victory. It still stands today in Rome. And he stands there and he says, look at Rome. Rome's glory is gone. The Roman Empire is gone. Titus, nobody even knows who he is. And we Jews are still here. The only people talking about Titus is us. We're the ones remembering them. We're still here. So these great ten sages, they were killed in horrific ways. And each one of them had a debate, I didn't get into the details with the emperor, before their death. And the emperor asked each one, do you still believe in God? And they said, yes. And they said to him, you think you're winning, but you're not. You're not winning. You are going to be punished. From you there will be no memory. You will be totally destroyed. And we will continue on forever. And that is what happened. These great sages, we study their Torah today. Every day we sit and study the Mishnah, the Talmud, the Midrashim. We're studying the teachings of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Akiva, and all the other great sages. We study their teachings daily. Their teachings are still there. We still live with them every day and tell their stories. The Roman Emperor, Hadrian, the Governor Turnus Rufus, nobody even knows who they are. Rome is gone. It's destroyed. It's in the ashes of history. And our people still stand. We're still here. So while we mourn the terrible tragedy of these ten martyrs, we mourn what happened. At the same time, we also remember and we celebrate the victory. They lost. We won. They're not here. They're gone. We're still here. And the same is with all those that have stood up against us. All those that have stood up to destroy us, they're gone. One by one, God destroyed them all. And we're still here. We're the ones remembering them. They only we and we remember them for bad. But we're the only ones that remember them. And we're still here. We're still studying the same Torah, still following the same commandments and studying the teachings of the teachings of these great sages. And God willing, we pray for the coming of Moshiach. 
And we believe one of the fundamental Jewish beliefs is in the revival of the dead, that the dead will come back to life. And when that happens, all these great sages will return. And we'll be able to see them once again. And they will come back. Um, and the victory will then be final. We will have won.